You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh right here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. It is Southwest Louisiana's sports station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez here, and according to Twitter today, I am a man that has multifaceted sauce, whatever that means. The producer extraordinaire co-host with the most number one Boston Celtics fan even in despair is is James Mesh James what's going on bud how are you not too bad how you doing Matt um living the dream dude there it is living the dream on a Tuesday all right so obviously you know we'll spend a, a whole segment talking about the game last night but I just kind of want to get your your take just very quickly i mean jason tatum scores 27 stephen curry stays quiet for the most part but did you expect andrew wiggins to deliver the way he did he's been the most consistent he's been the second best player for the warriors this whole series no he really has he really has i mean 26 and 13 last night well i think he had 23 and 16 in game 4 so he just inverted his numbers. But, I mean, that's just unheard of consistency from from a guy who... He, he had 17 and 16. Oh, was it 17 and 16? Okay. Um, and, and this is coming from a guy that, you know... Was considered a bust. Three years ago, people were calling him a bust. Which I would still consider him a bust because if you're a number one overall pick, you kind of have that expectation to be that guy, the number one option consistently. But he's figured out his role as a second or third option. Yeah, I just I don't I just don't think he ever quite fit in in Minnesota. No, the, no, being in Minnesota didn't really help him at all. I think I think he just never really fit in, never really got the chance to be who he is, and I think he's found his game in Golden State. And you and usually that's the case when it comes to players that kind of have a high expectation early and then don't pan out right. to that expectation. Usually, you need a change of scenery. And then you can see what the player can do. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. So we'll talk in deep detail about that at 4:15, as the Golden State Warriors are now one win away from capturing their fifth NBA championship and their fourth in the last ten years. The U.S. Open is this week as well. We have Chris Murphy coming on at 5.15. He will help us recap the RBC Canadian Open. We'll preview the U.S. Open. And what the heck is going on with the LIV? And some big names on the PGA Tour absolutely ripping the Saudi back tour. We'll talk about that. We got a NASCAR conversation with my guy Bob Pachris from NASCAR on Fox. We'll talk to him about the season up to this point, and things are about to get real interesting as they start to run out of playoff spots. So we'll talk about that, get his takes on all of that, and a whole lot more. Our poll question for the day. Last night, James and I shot our 
latest edition of the Miguez versus Mesh Challenge. It was a penalty kick shootout. James, I'm assuming that's going up on the YouTube channel today. Yeah, I'm posting everything as we speak. Okay, cool. Uh, so we will we will post a link on our social media channels to that video. So what's the next one? Are we going to go play putt-putt, playing a game of horse, Madden, NBA? Which one is it going to be? Vote on Facebook and Twitter to let us know what our options are going to be, and we will do that either later this week or very early next week to get out yet another edition of the Miguez versus Mesh Challenge. James, do you have a a choice? Like, Do you have a preference of, of what you would want to do? I'd rather not have to play 2K. Okay. <laughs> Other than that, everything else is fine with me. Cool. I mean, I obviously will still play 2K, but if I had one that would be my least, my last option out of these four, I would have to go with 2K. Okay, cool. Uh, let's take a look at some top stories. You know, talking about, we'll, we'll dive deeper than that in our PGA Tour segment, but Rory McIlroy said that golfers transitioning to the LIV Tour are, quote, taking the easy way out. And then... Brooks Kepka says that all the LIV talk is casting a black cloud over the U.S. Open, and he wishes that it would just stop. And and I don't... He said, I'm here at the U.S. Open. I'm ready to play the U.S. Open. And I think it kind of sucks, too, that you're throwing this black cloud over the U.S. Open. It's one of my favorite events. I don't know why you guys keep doing that. The more legs you give LIV, the more you keep talking about it. And I agree with him because, you know, you're at a PGA Tour event or a USGA event. Talk about that event. I get the LIV is news. I get that that's the story that everybody wants to hear. But these golfers want to talk about the tournament that they're going to play. They want to talk about the event that they're at currently. Ask them about that. You want to have your own conversations on your own shows or in your own articles? That's fine. Don't ask the golfers about that. They're not worried about that. They're worried about what they're there to do and who they're there to represent. So that's where I stand on that. Moving on, Michael Jordan rookie card sells for over a million dollars today with Christie's Auction House. It was a 1986-87 Fleer Jordan that sets the sports card industry aflame in the wake of the last dance. $1.008 million. It was one of 23, and it was graded an 8.5 from Beckett Grading Services. So that's pretty impressive. Also, Deshaun Watson reiterates his innocence when speaking with the media today for the first time since March 25th. He said that he regrets what this has done to his family, to the community, and to the organization, as well as his teammates. He said that's the one thing that he does regret. And when asked if he had any regrets about his actions, he said no, because I didn't do anything wrong. So we'll see what, what happens there. Deshaun has you know, held his innocence throughout the entire process. So we'll see how that unfolds, because... James, you know as well as I do that it is 
far from, from over. over. <laughs> far from over. Not even close at this point. Um, it feels like we're only scratching the surface at this point. Do you do you think what do you what do you see a punishment being for for Deshaun, if any? You could you could see eight to ten games. Eight to ten. I've heard some people throw it, around it, a full season. Because it, it's not it's not getting busted for marijuana, so you won't get banned for a whole year, right? But it feels like you'll get around the halfway point of a season. Okay, I think that's fair. I, I think that's I think that's a fair assessment. Um, I don't think he gets punished anytime soon. Because as long as there's civil suits, I was going to say the until NFL's not going to hand down a punishment. No, nothing will happen until everything has been settled right. off the field. The Houston Astros falling last night five to three to the Texas Rangers to the Moon Tuesday today with Brian Lalima of Apollo HOU. We'll recap last night's game and look ahead to tonight's contest seven oh five, and you can hear it right here on the game. We have a comment on. The poll question, Kyle Broussard says, put, put, I'll video it. Cart Ranch, right? That's where we That's where we said we'd go? Yeah. If it's put, put, okay. I'm cool with that. We got a lot to get into. Again, you know, NBA Finals, the Astros, the College World Series, golf, NASCAR. Stick around with us. You know, we're going to have a, we're going to have a good show today. Like we like we always do here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. As a reminder, it is the game's birthday, and we want to celebrate we want you to come celebrate ten years of being Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Join us at Buffalo Wild Wings on Ambassador Wednesday, June twenty second for delicious wings, amazing door prizes, including station swag, Astros tickets, a fifty inch TV from AVI. Car washes from the wash by Service Chevrolet, a gift card from Partners Limited, and much more. In addition, Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh will be broadcasting live from the party. Join us at B-Dubs Wednesday, June 22nd. That's next Wednesday from 4 to 9 for the game's 10th birthday bash. We'll take a time out right here. When we return, James and I will dissect the NBA Finals. We'll talk about... A guy that a lot of people aren't mentioning in the finals MVP race. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. It's your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time with Amigas and Mesh right here on The Game. It's 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, it's 16 minutes after the hour. The NBA Finals last night, Game 5, 104 to 94 in favor of the Golden State Warriors. A 12-point halftime lead helped them in the process. And then Boston barely buying a bucket in the fourth quarter definitely aided that victory as well. Looking at the team statistics, we'll compare both teams 
Boston shooting 41.3%, Golden State 46.6%, 34% from three for the Celtics, 22 for the Dubs. Boston out-rebounded Golden State 47-39. to The difference maker, Golden State only had seven turnovers. Boston with 18. Boston is now, uh, they showed the statistic last night, They're, they have a horrible record when you turn over 16 or more times, uh, which you know seems pretty self-explanatory. You turn the ball over 16 or more times, you're probably going to lose the game. Uh, so that's how it went down last night. It also helped that Golden State outscored Boston in the paint 52-36. So now Golden State leads the series three games to two. They will go back to Boston Thursday night for game six. James, as a Celtics fan, walk me through last night and where you're at right now. It was just another tough game to watch because at, you know that when it comes down to it, they often will get a little turnover heavy. And it's it's pretty much a recipe for disaster, especially when you play somebody like the Warriors who can score eight, mm-hmm. nine, ten points. And I remember, I think it was game two, they had scored ten points in 37 seconds. Right, It's like, or eight points, but they had gotten three baskets. Like, what happened? It's turnovers. And especially with the live ball turnovers, if it's a bad pass and it goes out of bounds, it's a different story. But when you're throwing a bad pass toward the middle of a course going and, cross and, uh, court, then it the Warriors are just so good when it comes to fast break. They can handle them a lot better when it comes to the half-court defense. But when it comes to transition – that's where Golden State makes its money. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, I saw it a couple times last night. Just bad passes that the Warriors were able to to pick off, and you know, easy two on one scenarios where where they just you know get an easy layup at the rim. But I'll I'll say this: it came a game early, but I was right. I said Curry was going to go cold. I said Curry was due for a bad night, and it happened. 0 for 9 from the three-point line. First time in five years that he had gone a game without a three-pointer. First time in his playoff career that he didn't make a three-pointer in a playoff game. And, you know, I contribute a lot of that to Boston because you, you could tell watching the game last night that they had a plan to shut down Stephen Curry. Their focus was to slow down the three-point barrage, right. which they did. They held them to 9 for 40, which is right. 22.5%. However, doing that opened the lane for one Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. It, left, mean, it left the lane open a lot for a lot of people. That was... I mean, Curry still ended up with 16, 16 points, and he didn't make a single three. Granted, he went to the free-throw line a lot. Uh, what was his what was his free throw? He only shot two of three. Three. So then, oh, he was seven for twenty-two. Okay, he made a lot more layups than I thought. Then, um, and then you know you're looking around. Andrew Wiggins, twelve of twenty-three, two of three from the free throw line. He had thirteen rebounds and two assists to go along with his twenty-six points. And then you got twenty-one out of Clay Thompson. 
Clay Thompson hitting five of Golden State's nine threes last night to be second in team scoring for Golden State. What's now, up with Jordan Poole? Why he, why he got to keep making buzzer beater half court? Why he got to keep flopping so much? Him and him and Gary Payton, dude. I, I hate it. I hate it. You either got fouled or you didn't. If you feel it, here here's my thing. If you feel like you are at a point in a game where you need to embellish a foul to get an advantage. Like, that's almost a coward move, in my opinion. Like, if you if you feel that you need to create a false advantage for your team, that's a problem. But Jordan Poole got an, an Oscar last night, as well as Gary Payton, because that foul on Grant Williams was atrocious. It was terrible. Grant Williams gets held, and he's the one that gets called for the foul? you kidding me? I mean, I know you had to be livid. I was low on energy the whole night. (laughs) I mean, that was just absolutely insane of a foul call. I saw it. I wasn't livid and, like, cursing at the TV, but when when I saw it, I was like, yep, that that feels like that's that's about how it goes. That was... Draymond, eight points, eight boards, six assists. He fouled out again. It's the third time in five games. Was 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 he the first player to foul out or first player since 2000? That's what it was. I was going to say, there's no way he's the only person to have done that. He was the first player since 2000 to foul out three times in a single NBA Finals. That's what it was. Dale Davis was the last one in 2000. And uh, Jordan Poole with 14, Gary Payton with 15. Looking at the Celtics' individual numbers, you know, three from Grant Williams, three from Neesmith. You only got one point from Derek White. Yeah, that one really hurt. You you've been seeing him get. You've been seeing him pretty much get at least 10 each game. So the fact that he only had one, that one that one definitely hurt. Robert Williams gave you 10. We talked about that yesterday. And he got you boards. The only thing is... He didn't block any shots. No blocks. Al didn't block anything either. Nope. The only person that blocked anything was Grant twice. Yeah, he had Grant, had, Grant had the one where it was the behind, like he was behind Steph and blocked him. Tatum had a good night. I mean, you can't be mad at Jason's numbers. 27, 10, 4. He shot the ball efficiently. I can be, I can be mad at the... The big three having thirteen turnovers between well, the three of them. Of, of course, that that's that's, that's not what's great. killing you. Yeah, that that's certainly not great. And I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, because you probably paid closer attention to the game than I did. I, I just watched it kind of as a casual basketball fan. But it seemed like Marcus Smart's turnovers. I know he didn't have the most of the big three, but I feel like his turnovers just came at the worst times. I can't necessarily say it was the worst times because you were behind the whole game. Yeah. I mean, J- Tatum throwing left to right, just kind of going away, going across court, trying to hit it to the other wing. Jalen trying to get out of a situation, dish it out. But they're all bad turnovers. Yep. They're all like 
mind-boggling, like, why would you do that kind of situation where, why would you put yourself in the situation to where you would now have your fifth, sixth, seventh, ninth, tenth, fifteenth turnover of the game, and it it, it just becomes a pile after a while yep. because this team is good and it's young, but they they just have an issue with turning the ball over at weird times. There there are times where they get in a groove and they feel unstoppable, and it doesn't even matter if they go ISO heavy. And I have a rule where try to get at least four passes in in, in a possession. Sometimes they only maybe will go one, two, sometimes three. Or maybe it's just a lone guy going ISO ball as soon as he gets the rebound. But right. I can live with that if they're in a groove and they're just feeling themselves and they're knocking down shots no matter what. But whenever they're doing all that, they're creating turnovers because then they're getting trapped. Then they're getting double teamed. They're getting hit with a blitz when they least expect it with eight on the shot clock and then you're having to make a forced pass and they intercept it and just take it coast to coast. So let me ask you this. In the third quarter, early in the third quarter, Golden State was up 16 at one point. Yeah. Cut it cut it down to two and even was leading. Cut it down to zero. Yeah. Do you think that that run just kind of wore them out to where Golden State was able to pull away from them in the fourth? It, it felt like... Coach Udoka had a talk with them at halftime. Like, hey, we got to change some stuff. You're going to the paint. I like it, but you're not finishing strong. That's the thing. They're going at it. They're going at them. But as soon as you, as soon as they get to it and they get any little contact, they just, they just lose it and they're not going in with an, like with force, with an effort, with a purpose. They're kind of just going in just to go into it. Just to be like, look, we're not selling for all threes. We're not only taking jump shots, but once they finally start to get it, I, I feel like what really did it for them was seeing Poole hit that that buzzer beat at the end of third quarter. Right to me, that was like a really yeah again yeah that, that he does that, that again sucked, that sucked the life out of. I mean that that kind of that took what little energy I had left in the night out. I was like. Ugh. That there's no shot mm-hmm. because once then, you got to the he, fourth quarter, and then he banked it. He banked it in on you. I mean, I feel like that just adds a little salt to the wound. It's like he wasn't even all that accurate. He just right. He, he hit, got, he he got hit lucky. the he hit the box and it just went in. Right. Yeah. That that adds more salt to the wound, if you ask me. But so game game six, are you still feeling confident? Do you, do you think they force a game seven or? I think they can force a game seven. Jalen Brown and Emo Doka's words after the game, especially James, he said, I, I still feel really good. I, I like how we are going into game six. Game five, they felt like they didn't have any energy. They didn't feel like they were bringing the effort. It felt like they didn't want to be there yeah. at, the, at that point. But being back in Boston, knowing that this is an elimination game, this is, this is a must win. At probably this point. probably got a day off today. You you're gonna get the day off. You'll look at some film. You'll practice. Come up with a game plan. I think you go into Game Six on Thursday. Mm-hmm. You go into it. I I think they win and force a Game Seven. Hey, I mean I'll I'll go for it because this NBA Finals has been very entertaining. Game Six, Clay. That may be a thing. He may pop up again, but usually that's whenever you're. On the brink of elimination. Right. 
or coming off of a loss where right. it's like we need you. I feel like we may not exactly see it because you got the one game advantage. You won last game. You see, I, I know you don't want to hear this. Uh-huh. Put away Curry might come out. Put away Curry might come out. Now that he went cold a game earlier than I expected and they've got the 3-2 advantage, I'm, I'm not saying this is going to happen. I'm just saying I could see it. I could see Curry scoring 40. and put, I, can't, I can't see 40 again. Putting, putting the Celtics away. I can't, I can't see 40 again. You, you could say 33-34, but to see a 4 as the initial digit, that one feels like it's a little too much. Because you, you, I feel like you'd have to see more of Wiggins. You'd see more scoring from Clay. You'd see, see more scoring from Poole. I mean, don't get me wrong. I want to see the Celtics win a championship because I'm tired of seeing Stephen Curry lift that damn trophy. <laughs> but I'm just tired of seeing teams not the Celtics. Well, right. I'm, my biggest thing is, you know, my team is the Pelicans. If it's, if it's not the Pelicans, I don't really care. But I'm tired of seeing the same teams win it over and over and over again. Like, can we please get some new blood? That's why I was so happy that Milwaukee won it last year. Boston hasn't won one since 08. Let's get them one. Let's get the Suns one. You know, like, anybody but the Warriors, Cavs, and Lakers. Please. Rescue Fest is Saturday, June 25th at Park International. It's a day of live music featuring the Sarah Russo Band, Jet 7, Layla Laverne, Hunter Corville, and Cam Nelson. There will be plenty of food, games, and even a raffle. Rescue Fest is a fundraiser for the Rescue Group of Acadiana, a group that provides financial and emotional assistance to grieving families of child loss. To buy tickets, head to Eventbrite or by visiting rescuegroup.org. R-E-S-C-Y-O-U group.org. Take a time out right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. They could debate who should win the MVP, but they'd rather argue who has the best hair in sports talk radio. We just washed the hair. You know, I worked on the hair a long time, and you you hit it. It hits my hair. Now back to more of the stylish crunch time with Miguez and Mash here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. Crunch time with me, guys, and Mesh right here on the game. It's 1037 Lafayette and 1041 in Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, and it's time to talk a little NASCAR. What better man to ask than the NASCAR on Fox expert and the pit road guru, Mr. Bob Pachris? Bob, appreciate you taking the time, man. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Let's talk about the season up to this point, especially Sonoma this past Sunday. I mean, you've got four drivers who have won multiple races. You have 12 different winners so far this year. But that gets a little tricky because there's only 16 playoff spots. Yeah. So they got the drivers uh, with one win now uh, might need to be a little nervous because the uh, – the, field for the cup playoffs is 
16 drivers, which is the regular season champion, and then the next 15 drivers based on number of wins and then points. So all those with two wins, they're sitting pretty. They're good. But all those with one win, if for some reason there's more winners than spots, uh, it'll come down to their point standing. So there's there's 10 races left in the regular season. Some people think there will be 16 or 17 winners uh, because, you know, there's already been 12 within, uh, with 10 races left. Others believe that, no, it's never happened before, and this won't be the year that it will. Now, looking at looking at the wins and whatnot, for a guy like Chase Elliott, you know, one of the most popular drivers in NASCAR, only has one win so far, but he has three top fives and ten top tens, including three stage wins. If he stays at only one win, you think a guy like that is safe? Uh, you know, I mean, I think it, it, it's tough. Um, but I, I think most of the ones with one win are right now are probably going to be safe as long as they don't have a catastrophic, uh, you know, next 10 races. I mean, I think if all the, you know, a guy like all these drivers with one win, the Kurt Busch, Austin Cindric, um, you know, Danny Suarez, who won this weekend, they've all still been running most of the time in the top 10 or top 15. And that'll get them, that'll get them in. I think what they have to worry about mainly is the unexpected. Don't get caught up in a lot of wrecks, if so, and don't uh, you know, and don't have mechanical failures. So if one of them finds the skids in that way, then they then they'll be worried. Uh, if not, I think I think they'll be okay. Chat with Bob Pockers here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. You know, you brought up Daniel Suarez winning at Sonoma this past Sunday. It was his first career Cup win. He was the first driver from Mexico to win a Cup race. Trackhouse Racing has had such a great year between Suarez and Ross Chastain, one of the four multi-race winners. You know, Justin Marks has really put a great team together, it appears. Did you expect Trackhouse to hit the ground running the way they have so quickly? <laughs> I, I didn't think so. Yes, they had bought Chip Ganassi Racing, but that was an organization that was winning several times a year and certainly wasn't running, you know, top five, top ten every week uh, you know Kurt Busch was you know had some weeks where he's knocking on the door and, and got a win but uh, you certainly didn't see this coming out of this organization uh, but it shows that you know they they bought they bought an organization that had depth that had good people and uh and I think they just brought a little bit of a different energy a little bit different attitude and with this new next gen car that is even the playing field at least for now uh they've taken advantage of the most of it Looking ahead to the next you know month or so of the schedule, they go to Nashville on the 26th, and then you've got two road courses in the month of July with Road America and the Indianapolis road course. You've also got Pocono, the Tricky Triangle, going down a little bit further. Watkins Glen and Daytona in August. You know, as we as we get into September and the playoffs, things could get really interesting with the with the races still left to be raced. Yeah, I mean, you look at what's coming up. You got three road courses over, you know, in uh, Road America and Indianapolis and Watkins Glen, which are tend to be, you know, kind of wild cards. You have Daytona and Atlanta in there, which are drafting tracks. You know, Atlanta now drives races more like Daytona and Talladega with the reconfiguration. So there's a lot of unknowns. And Pocono's a race that you know that you tend to see sometimes a surprise winner so the thing is is that we talk about oh which track could be a surprise winner but this year with the next gen car no driver no team has really 
stood out week in and week out. I mean, you look at the playoff points and where they'd rank, you know, as if this, if the postseason started today and virtually the top six or seven drivers would be separated by seven points. You have nobody who's just week after week, you know, running, you know, winning stages and winning races. So I think uh, with this, with this new car, everybody's still learning so much about it that every week is a little bit unpredictable. Now, talking about the next-gen cars, are you a fan so far of what you have seen, and what have you heard from the drivers about the next-gen car? <laughs> I think the drivers, um, you know, I, I think they like the way it races. I think they feel like that, uh, you know, it's certainly a more nimble car on the road courses. Uh, it, that they're able to make uh, passes on the intermediate tracks. They're a little bit frustrated on the short tracks. Uh, look, drivers want to have as many tools at, at their disposal as they can. And, you know, with this car, there are not as many things that they can change on a weekly basis. Uh, you know, the, the, the margins of where you find speed are, are different in this car. The, the areas you work on are different. There aren't as many. So there certainly is frustration in the sense of, you know, if you are behind, how do you, how do you go, how do you move forward? How do you get ahead? What can you change on a race weekend? There isn't a lot of time to do things. So there's stuff that frustrates the drivers, but all in all, I think, you know, just as far as racing the car, I think they enjoy it. It's just a matter of learning it. And, you know, and again, you know, the, the, when you're buying all the parts and pieces from vendors, it's just it's just a different way of of doing things, and and they still are they still are making the adjustment because they're so used to saying, well, let's build a piece that does this, or or let's manufacture a, a lighter piece here and a stronger piece over there, and you just can't do that anymore. Bob Pockris of NASCAR on Fox joining us. So, Bob, you know, looking at from your perspective, I mean, NASCAR has been racing on Fox for the first 10 races of the year, but now they transition into NBC. So for the, for the rest of this season, for the rest of this year, how does your job change working for Fox? Oh, um, you know, well, obviously we don't have uh, the Cup and any races, so I'm not in this, so obviously there's no uh, telecast for me to be, you know, sending info to the booth. But beyond that, it doesn't change a whole lot. I'm still writing for FoxSports.com. We still have uh, our NASCAR race day preview shows uh, that I'll be contributing to. Um, you know, we still have Race Hub during uh, during the week, so maybe I'll be doing a little extra work gathering uh, sound for 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 those for those uh, for those shows. But at the racetrack, I'll still be uh, doing reporting and uh, trying to figure out uh, what's going on in the in the sport among a. Uh, among the KC soap opera, that's NASCAR. <laughs> Absolutely, Bob. I got one more for you. NASCAR today issued four race suspensions for Kyle Larson's crew chief, Cliff Daniels, front tire changer, Donnie Tasser, and jackman, Brandon Johnson, for Kyle Larson losing a wheel this past Sunday at Sonoma. It's not the first time this year that that has happened, which is why the, the punishment is a four-race suspension. Where do you stand on that, and what do you think Kendrick Motorsports can do to kind of right that since it's happened you know, so many times? Well, I think everyone's scratching their heads. Uh, you know, it's happened to virtually every organization. It's had it happened to somebody this year. Uh, you know, they're obviously going from a five lug nut 
wheel to a single lug wheel. Uh, different guns are being used. Different wheels are being used. The wheels are aluminum now instead of, instead of steel. So everybody's just kind of learning the nuances of, of what they should do, uh, how to do things. And it's just kind of learning quality control, too. How do you know that the wheel is tight? Before, it was a lot easier to know than now. Uh, I understand the difficulty in this is that the teams feel that they can do everything right and still it could still be loose uh, just because of the nature of, of the equipment and the wheels that they're using. But with it being such a big safety issue, I don't know that NASCAR has much of a choice when it comes to how severe the suspension should be for, for races, what it's been. I don't feel like that they can probably go back on it. I do wish that if there is some sort of technology to tell the tire changer that is tight, whether it's a light or some sort of uh, a notice in light to the dash or that the driver has, something uh, that could help the teams know whether it's tight or not. I think would be a good thing because, you know, overall, this is this is a safety issue. You know, yes, you want them to be able to do a fast pit stop. Yes, it's kind of part of, you know, being a championship team is being able to do fast pit stops. But you don't want – you just can't have wheels coming off like this because, uh, you know, the, the danger of another car hitting it and the wheel going somewhere where you don't want it to go is great. Right, absolutely. Bob Pockris of NASCAR on Fox joining us to discuss all things NASCAR up until this point in the year. Bob, really appreciate you taking the time. Great insight, and hopefully as as the season comes down later in August and September, we can have you on again. That'd be great. Thank you, guys. There he goes, Bob Pockris, the NASCAR guru. James, let's update the poll question real fast before we take another timeout. Also, while we're on the subject of the poll question and our social media channels, James did get the penalty shootout video up on YouTube as well as Facebook and Twitter. So go check that out. Um, Matt won. Matt finally won something. So it's now two to one. James, what were what were your thoughts on the on the penalty kick shootout? I can't play goalie. Don't ever make, if we <laughs> don't ever make me play goalie, uh, unless I'm wearing cleats, then maybe I have a better shot. But blaming the shoes again, <laughs> you you weren't gonna move just because you already told me you weren't gonna move. But I actually tried to move, and if you watch me, I could, I, I would jump. I would just go. I, would, I just wasn't I gonna dive. Fall. Well, you well you didn't go far either way. Well, no, because if I knew I was, if I knew I, if I had gotten beat, I was, I was just gonna be beat. It was the fact that I was actually trying to go get it, and then I go straight to the ground, can't get it. So yeah, Matt, Matt it was unfortunate, won. but Matt did get the win. My my eight years of playing soccer really really paid off for me last night. Yeah, he didn't tell me he uh, <laughs> played eight years as Pele, including goalie. Yeah, did didn't <laughs> fail to mention that. He just said he just said, "Are you sure?" Are you sure you want to play this? Well, I, I warned are you, you. Are you? Well, that doesn't tell me anything. Oh, it just, man. That just, as far as I know, that's just fake confidence. You didn't tell me, hey, yeah, I played eight years. I actually know how to play this game. No, yeah. I, yeah, it failed to mention that, but you know, good, good game, good game. It is what it is. So, so far, 37.5% saying putt-putt. 37.5% also saying horse. And 25% saying Madden. No votes for 2K yet. Interesting. I'm good with any of them, honestly. Um, I, I got I got a jump shot. I can play horse. 
probably don't have as good of a jump shot as you, but um, and then putt putt. I mean, come on, that's easy. That's easy. So let's see here. Got another order of business to take care of. The game clubhouse one zero three seven thegamecom dot com or one zero four one thegamecom dot com can help with your date night blues. It's because once you become a member of our rewards club. You will have the opportunity to win some awesome prizes like a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House. We want to help you take your lady out for some delicious seafood, but the only way to win is by joining the game clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. So go sign up today. Let's take a time out here on Crunch Time with me, Gaz and Mesh. And when we return... We will have a conversation on the Houston Astros as well as the New Orleans Saints here on Crunch Time with Miguel Zemesh on the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Let your voice be heard. Hello. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111 and speak your mind. Yellow. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time with me, Mesh. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, Bob Pockris. What a guy. Giving you the lowdown on everything NASCAR. You know, James, they don't always turn left. Sometimes they turn right. Sometimes they do turn right. And sometimes they they climb up mountains. Like they did this. Oh, I say mountains. This past, <laughs> you say and you say climb. This, this past Sunday, <laughs> dude, there was there was one turn on the on the racetrack at Sonoma. It's the elevation's like 170 feet. I mean, to go from 170 feet back down to zero and to you know to do it every time. I hope my hand motions are are depicting it well, but it's impeccable. Let me say, um, let me tell you, I'm an incredible human being. What can I say? Uh, it really looks like we're playing putt putt, James, because it's tied on Twitter. But on Facebook so far, we have two comments, and both of them say "butt butt." So it's still early. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna totally, you know, rule it out so far. But it, it's looking like it's gonna be "butt butt," which again, totally cool with. Don't have a problem there whatsoever. All right, New Orleans Saints. Did you see Jarvis Landry's one-handed catch? So casual. It was so effortless. He just. Yep, I'll take that. Thank you. Um, everybody present at mini camp, which was exciting. Uh, the, I know that people were were a tad concerned when guys like Demario Davis and Chauncey Gardner Johnson, guys that are on the last year of their deals, uh, seemed to be mainly you. weren't Well, I didn't, I didn't hear. Me. I didn't. I didn't hear. Well, I didn't hear as much. I, I had a. I had a lot of Twitter sources freaking out a little bit. Interesting. Um, I, I never thought of it as a cause of concern, but I don't know that I did either. I don't know that it was concerning. I think it would just make you feel better as, as a coaching staff or even as somebody that covers the team if, if they would have been there from the jump. But I get it. You know, you're going to deal with that every year, especially guys that are on the last deal of their con- last year of their contract. And especially guys that are proven 
Correct. And it's not guys that are new to the system. This this will be his fourth year with the Saints. Yeah. For Fifth? for Demario. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be his fourth. So it's like, I mean, if he's going to his fourth, he knows the system. Right. I ain't worried. Now, should fans be worried about this? Marcus Davenport hurt again. This, he can't stay healthy. This is, that's been the biggest question with his whole career. Yeah, I mean, he just once again gets hurt, and it, and it's weird because you got you got Cam Jordan who has only missed one game in his whole career, and that wasn't even because of injury. And then you got Davenport who misses almost half the season, most of the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, according to Catherine Terrell, he is dealing with a. I want to say shoulder injury was was what the the diagnosis was. I can't dealing with a shoulder and finger injury. So I mean, again, talent wise, I understand why the Saints made the move that they did, but he can't stay healthy. If you ask me, I think it's time to move on from find somebody different. Hour number two coming up on the other side of this top of the hour sports update. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. It's your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Our number two of two at 502 here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana sports station. It's your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez. James Mesh. All right, James. I've got three tweets lined up right here that are interesting to me. The Lions have signed veteran receiver Devin Funchess, and they're moving him to a new position. Tight end? He's on their roster as a tight end. Everyone's going to tight end now. So that's interesting. Um, The Ravens and veteran defensive lineman Derek Wolfe have agreed to an injury settlement, and he will be released by the organization. Uh, Wolf underwent hip surgery for a second time this offseason. Does Derek Wolf return after multiple hip surgeries? That's Ooh, tough. That is tough, and he's a little on he's, the older side. He's, 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 not, getting, he's getting up there. <laughs> he's not a young buck anymore. No. Um, I think if I was him, I would probably just re- retire and call it a day. I mean, he's 32. So that's multiple hip surgeries at 32 years old. That is a uh, that's not great. And then here's the third one: veteran wide receiver Golden Tate is switching to baseball and has signed with the Port Angeles Lefties of the West Coast League. Tate played baseball early in his young career at Notre Dame and was drafted twice, but both times declined to sign. Here's where it gets really interesting. He's set to start at center field tonight. And when did he sign? Today. Oh, no, nice. <laughs> that's, that's what you call That tweet was posted two hours ago, wow. and he's playing tonight. The Port Angeles lefties. When can you start right now? 
Can can you can you play in an hour? Can you okay. play in like five hours? So look, here's what we'll do. We'll have your contract <laughs> sitting in your locker. And when you get your just sign it. And you know, we'll pick it up in the morning. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Don't worry about the details. Right. Just, just sign it. Apparently the Port Angeles lefties are a collegiate summer baseball team based in Port Angeles, Washington. So similar to the Cane Cutters. Summer league baseball team. Um now, do what? What do you think his angle is? Do you think he's trying to, you know, get on a minor league squad, or do you think he just wants to play baseball for the summer? I think he's just trying to have fun. No, I mean, hey, if they're if if, if you're gonna have a spot, I mean, obviously a summer a collegiate summer baseball team, you're not gonna get paid. But I mean, you can joke around and play some baseball for the summer. I mean, why not? That's what I'm saying. I mean, why not? That's that's funny. That's good stuff right there from Golden Tate. Earlier in the first hour, we talked about Deshaun Watson as well as the Rory McIlroy, Brooks Kepka situations. Um, staying on the topic of the NFL, Cliff Kingsbury says he is, quote, praying for Kyler Murray to sign a contract by camp. Interesting. Are you you think they're that far off in, in negotiations? It could you could definitely say it it could go that way, but I, I think it's just more the fact that like, hey, I mean, he's the guy I've wanted from the jump. Uh first year I came in, we drafted him number number one overall. He was my guy. Of course of course you're gonna be like, I'm praying and hoping my guy signs the contract. I don't think he necessarily he may have some idea of where they are. But it's like when it comes down to it, it's like it, I, I want him. I so want him here. Murray was on the field for practice today. Yeah. Um, it says that if Murray doesn't receive an extension or a new deal by camp, Kingsbury casts some doubt on the quarterback reporting for the first day of training camp. Murray is set to earn $5.5 million this season and $29.7 million next year after his fifth-year option was picked up. However, Murray is looking for a deal that is on par with the contracts of some of the top-tier quarterbacks such as Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Deshaun Watson, and Dak Prescott. Ooh. According to Kingsbury, we're about to make him, I'm sure, the highest-paid player in this franchise's history, and so he understands what comes with that. The guys know what he can be at his best, and any time we can get the whole band out there, things definitely pick up. The only player missing from mandatory practice Tuesday was veteran center Rodney Hudson. So, I don't know if it's a you know thing that they're far off on negotiations. I think you know after reading that, it's just more of. They want him to like, like you said. They just want him to get a deal signed so that it's one less thing to worry about. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to have to stress. I don't have to worry about is is my QB going to be here or not. Yeah, like, that's. I mean, I, 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 if I was a coach, obviously I'd want it to be done as fast as possible too. Right. So then we don't have to stress about this situation anymore. Like, is he going to sign? Is he somehow going to leave? Like, can we just get a deal done? Do you think he gets top QB money? I, I could definitely see him getting a a top five deal. Wow. All right. How about this? You ready for this? A national anthem singer who was supposed to perform the national anthem at the Men's College World Series this week 
He's a Texas A&M alum and a 27-year-old U.S. history teacher in Dallas said that his performance has been canceled because when he performed at the Women's College World Series game between Texas and Oklahoma State, he made the horns down gesture. Oh. So let me get this straight. A Texas A&M alum sings the national anthem before a Texas-Oklahoma State softball game. Throws the horns down because obviously he went to A&M. He does not like Texas. And now you're not going to let him perform the national anthem because of it? Don't you think that's kind of silly? It is, but at the same time, it's it's also silly that he even did it. Uh, it it's just being it's just being petty. It's just it's just a petty little thing about oh I don't like this school because I went to the rival. According to the NCAA, we have documented proof that he made offensive gestures and <laughs> mockery of a participating team, and we do not feel comfortable allowing him to perform offensive gestures. I feel like that was more people from Texas, the university being like, hey, this guy did this last time. I don't want it to happen again. So I feel enough people from the school and enough supporters of the school was like went to the NCAA and said, hey, don't have this guy back. Wow. Because usually, usually organizations this big, they don't do anything unless there's some sort of an uproar with a team participating in this type of situation. And supposedly he also performed the national anthem in College Station during the regionals. And he actually performed the national anthem before a UL game. When UL, one of the games that UL played TCU, he performed the national anthem for that game and he was decked out in TCU gear because his wife is a TCU graduate. Interesting. It's funny how the, the Cajuns get tied in there. That's in, that's the Cajuns in, find a way. The Cajuns always find a way. Cajuns always find a way. We'll talk about the Astros at 530 with Brian LaLima of Apollo HOU. NHL Stanley Cup Finals Game 1 tomorrow night between the Lightning and the Avalanche. James, the Lightning are going for their third consecutive Stanley Cup. That hasn't happened in a long, long time. Like the 70s, I think. It's tough to win. It's tough to win. Do you think they do it? I mean, I know you're not a hockey buff, but... It feels like they... I don't know. It's hard to go against the def- the defending right. two times. Especially, like two times especially in a row. since they're back again. <laughs> yeah, they're back for a third time. It's like, we know how to get here. Ooh, man. I think I gotta I think I gotta just stick with it. Yeah. Uh, I don't have a good feeling about it. I feel like the Avalanche could win it in six or seven. Ooh. Oh oh yeah. Espe- oh, yeah. Espe- uh, but I, I just feel like at least Tampa could get the early lead early on, take the 1-0 lead, because Avalan- the Avalanche have had, what, two weeks off now? Whereas They've Lightning been off for rolling, a while. Yeah. Like, you may have to dust off the rust. Yeah. Now, what would what would be cool if the Az won the Stanley Cup is they haven't won one since 2001. And the guy or a, a guy who was one of the cornerstones of that team, Joe Sackick, 
is now the Avs general manager. And I think he would be the fourth person in NHL history to win a Stanley Cup both as a player and as a general manager with the same franchise. So that would be a pretty cool story. I mean, the guy brings one to the franchise as a player and then 20 years later brings one as the GM. That's pretty cool. Uh, but obviously to see anybody win, win three Stanley Cups in a row is, uh, is impressive as much as I dislike the Tampa Bay Lightning. I will, I will hold my peace on that and say that that would definitely be something interesting to see with, with the Stanley Cup playoffs coming to a close. Like I said, game one of the finals tomorrow night on the four-letter network. James, still looking like we're going to be playing putt-putt. Seems like it indeed. Still no votes for 2K. Got two votes for Madden, and then three votes apiece for Horse and Putt-Putt. But then, then we have count the, two, the Facebook votes. There, putt putt has a putt putt's got a two vote has advantage. a two stroke advantage. No. Ah, see what uh, you did there. Yeah, yeah, you like that. Eh? See what you did yeah. there. Speaking of golf, we're gonna have Chris Murphy on in the next segment to talk PGA Tour, including the RBC Canadian Open, the U.S. Open, and we'll get his thoughts on the LIV because we haven't gotten to talk to Chris since. This LIV madness went down. One more thing before we take a timeout, though. The Belmont this past weekend. James, you were right. You picked Mo Donegal. Yep. Mo won for you. Of course. I, Did, but you know what sucks? You should have threw down some I money. I didn't bet. I didn't bet. I got, I got so focused on trying to get to Toledo, but I, I didn't get to it. And then and, and, once you're there, that's not an area where you can bet. And then you you didn't catch any fish. Yeah. No, I caught two fish. Yeah, but you but threw they them were babies. back. Yeah, they were babies. <laughs> you had to throw them back. And one of them I, I foul hooked. I got, I got them in the stomach. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't mean to laugh at you. It's just, no, kind, it was, of, it's just kind of funny. It was, it was a tough weekend for sure. Not again. Not again. No. You, I know you saw that too. No, I did. No, we're, we're, the, st- the we're lights, still good. The we're lights st- are flickering. We're not doing that again. We're good. We're good. Trail is putting on a free all-day event this Saturday at Cafe 20.3 at 1500 General Mouton. In addition to free paddling, there will also be a party featuring live music to help out the Mile Zero heroes by raising awareness and funds to build the new Tiet Frere Park and Boat Launch at Mile Zero of the Vermilion River. Donations and sponsorships are always welcome. Trail matches $20,000 in donations. And for more information, you can visit www.latrail.org. Second time out when we return, Chris Murphy, PGA Tour analyst, will join us to discuss the world of golf as we get into major number three of the year. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home. The LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. June 14, 1966. In a Florida State League contest, Miami defeats St. Petersburg 4-3 in a game that lasts 29 innings. It is the longest uninterrupted game in organized baseball history. 
That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. 519 on your Tuesday. Crunch time with Miguez and Mesh on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. It's been a crazy last couple weeks on the PGA Tour and in the world of golf. And it's about to get even crazier with the U.S. Open this weekend. Chris Murphy, our PGA Tour writer, joins us on the hotline to discuss the Canadian Open and the U.S. Open. Chris, thanks for taking the time, man. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, dude, let's start with the Canadian Open. You know, Rory McIlroy, it, it seems like for the last couple of weeks, Rory's kind of been hanging around, and you were just kind of waiting for him to break through that ceiling. And, you know, he finally did this weekend with an 8-under on Sunday to win it at 19-under at St. George's. You know, talk to me about the week and, and, you know, Justin Rose going 10 under on Sunday with three bogeys. I mean, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, it, it was wild. We saw some some really good golf on, on what was a turned out to be a really cool kind of old style golf course up in Canada. Um, and and Rory, you know, we we know he has that in him. Uh, we know that the talent is there. He just hasn't quite put it all together until last week so it was great to see him do it and really it was a great tournament to see um you know him in a in a final round um group of three with tony finau and justin thomas you know in in a tumultuous week for the pga tour and everything going on in the golf world they couldn't have asked for a a better sunday um and it played out just like we would have hoped with a with plenty of drama uh, as they kind of tied things up after 16 holes and then uh, Rory kind of kind of took over from there and and ended up winning uh, fairly comfortably with the birdie on the last hole. So uh, it was certainly a fun week of golf to to see the best players playing their best. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I don't want to spend too much time on it because I know you're a PGA guy, but you know, just over the last couple of weeks with the LIV, you know, golfers leaving to go to the LIV, but then coming back to play the majors because the majors aren't technically sanctioned by the PGA Tour. What do you right. what do you make of all of this? Um, it's it's hard to know. You know, my my first thought is that this is probably just the start. Um, we saw, and, and a lot of people are talking about how weak the field was last week in in London. Uh, I think they're going to Portland next, if if I'm correct in that. Um, and I think we're we've already seen quite a few more of the PGA's tours. You know, best players, some guys that. It's not the top of the top right now, but it's guys that have won major championships, the Patrick Reeds, uh, Bryson DeChambeau, some of those guys. Um, and quite honestly, you know, until something changes, um, especially around, you know, I, I think the major champions, major championships really hold a big card, especially Augusta. If if they can, uh, the PJ Tour can kind of get them on their side and um, kind of, put a firm line in the sand, then that may help stop the steamroll a bit. Um, but again, I, I think it's really just the start of things, and it's going to be a really interesting um, next several months to see where things go and, and who jumps ship. And, and you know, it, call it what it is, it, it's a money grab. And, um, you know, it's, it's hard to know what the PGA Tour exactly can do um, to stop it, quite frankly. 
Chat with Chris Murphy here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Now, you know, I, I've, I've been talking with a couple of golf guys that, that I know, and one told me that a, that a doomsday scenario would be, you know, Dustin Johnson or Bryson DeChambeau or even Patrick Reed, guys that have gone to the LIV Tour, walk into the U.S. Open and win this weekend. Would, would that be absolute worst-case scenario for the PGA Tour? Yeah, I mean, it's it certainly would not be great. Um, it, it's not what I think they want. I, I think they like the sales pitch that these are, are guys that maybe on are on the backside of their career or they're just not um, the pre, per, peak performers of the PGA Tour right now. Um, but I think, you know, anybody that knows golf knows that Dustin Johnson still has, has quite a bit of good, good golf in him. And, you know, if he comes out and plays his best, He's absolutely one of the best players that that's going to be out there. So, um, you know, I, I I think it's certainly something the tour doesn't doesn't want to see or have to deal with those headlines. They'd love to see, um, you know, a situation like a, a Rory or Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, some of those guys that have really um, put a firm line in the sand from from their perspective and what they want to build on the PGA Tour. Uh, I think internally they're they're probably rooting that direction. Now, looking ahead to the U.S. Open, the Country Club in Chestnut Hill, you know, this is one of the greatest courses in all of golf. Talk to me about the, the course as a whole, you know, what what's tricky about it, what do golfers like, what can fans expect out of the course this weekend? Yeah, and it's, you know, it's, um, it's a traditional U.S. Open setup. Um, it's not as long as we've seen courses over the past few years where they're getting out to the 7,600 yards. It's going to play around 7,200 yards, but they've they've tricked it out like they always do for the U.S. Open. It's going to be long rough. You're going to have to hit fairways and hit fairways in in correct positions. I saw um, one video this week where you know you get on the top of a hill. I believe it's on the ninth hole, and if you hit the the wrong side of the middle of the fairway on top of that hill, it feeds straight down into uh, a water hazard. Um, so it is. It's going to be a U.S. Open test, as as we expect. Fairways and greens, you know, getting out with par is going to be a good score this week, um, and and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Now, what, who are some golfers that, that you think could really make a make a run at, at winning a major this weekend? Um, you know, I, I think we are in a, a great spot in golf in terms of the the number of guys that are you know really at the top of this game. Um, you know, you, you have the Scotty Schefflers, the, um, Ju- you know, Justin Thomas, Rory, who we talked about just winning. Spieth has had a great year. You know, there are so many names in the mix um, that it's, you know, you, you look at the odds board and, and it's kind of one of those rare scenarios where everything's kind of flat at the top because there are so many players that are in the mix. Um, I think John Rahm is going to get a little bit overlooked if, if, you can call anything value, you know, on John Rahm. He's trending out towards uh, a plus sixteen hundred type of number on some books, where um, most of this year he's been about half of those odds. Uh, he hasn't had the best results, but his game is still there. Um, I think the U.S. Open is probably the best setup for his style of play. He's he's long and straight off the tee, which has been a common theme in in all U.S. Opens. Obviously, he won it last year at Torrey Pines. Um, and he's he's certainly going to be uh, a dangerous player from from the top of the game. But you know, like I said, there there's so many players in form um, 
then it's it's going to be fun to see them all battle it out. And then, you know, even if you look a little bit further ahead in the schedule, you got the Travelers Championship next week and then the John Deere Classic the weekend after that. This is this is the point of the year, Chris, where golf really can get entertaining with, with the, the high-profile tournaments that you have coming up. Yeah, absolutely. And that all builds into, you know, what, what now is um, a dual-sponsored event between the PGA and uh, DP World Tour at the Scottish Open right before the um, the Open Championship. So yeah, we've we've got six weeks of great golf, and it's really the time of the year where you start looking into FedEx Cup standings and you know really um, see the guys that that start to separate themselves from the field. And you know, of course, this is a year with the Presidents Cup as well. So we've got um, you know the the Americans in particular that are all uh, vying to get onto that team. You got a player like a um, you know, Billy Horschel that won at Memorial and is trying to move his, his way in. He's always made it a goal to play in one of those USA team events. Um, so it, it's a really, really fun time of the year heading into the FedEx Cup playoffs. Chatting with Chris Murphy here on Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh. You know, you brought up the FedEx Cup standings. Scotty Scheffler has a pretty commanding lead in uh in the FedEx Cup race with 3,189. But Louisiana's own Sam Burns, 2,223, right behind him. I mean, you usually get four to 500 points for winning a PGA Tour event. So, I mean, if Sam can continue to win, you know, a tournament here and there, he could make things really interesting down this back stretch. Yeah, absolutely. Those, those are the two guys. Um, they're the only two with more than two wins this year, with Scotty having four and, and Sam having three. Um, and and Sam continues to play great golf as well. Uh, I think he's you know he's putting himself in that in the upper tier and and getting into the conversation um, where you know if he can kind of reel off a, a truly big win. And certainly a major championship would do that, but a, a WGC and some things, some events like that, um, you know, can can really move his name. And and you know, like you said, he, he's already in position for that FedEx Cup um, to to really contend all the way throughout. Yeah, no doubt about it. Chris Murphy of the PGA Tour has been our guest. Chris, really appreciate you taking the time. Have a great week, and uh, we'll talk soon as the as the season gets closer to an end. Sounds great. Thanks for having me again. Talk to y'all soon. There he goes, Chris Murphy. The U.S. Open's always fun. You got the British Open in a couple of weeks, and then, you know, the Scottish Open, and, and then, you know, you get down to that backstretch into July, beginning of August with the Rocket Mortgage Classic, and then you start the FedEx playoffs with the St. Jude Championship, the BMW Championship, and then the Tour Championship at the end of August. going to be a lot of fun down the backstretch of the summer on the PGA Tour. We'll take a timeout right here, and when we return, we'll do To the Moon Tuesdays with Brian Lalima of Apollo HOU here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Fly me to the moon. Guys and Mash are ready to launch into all things Houston Astros. Here is To the Moon on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. That's still the best imaging we have. 
It's time for To the Moon Tuesdays with my guy, Brian Lalima of Apollo HOU. Brian, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm good, guys. What's going on? Another uh, another beautiful Tuesday here in Houston, Texas. A little hot, though. I don't know what you guys got over there in Louisiana, but, man, it is hot. It is rainy here. I'm sure it's hot, but uh, it, it's been raining all afternoon, so it's probably a little bit cooler here than, than it is in H-Town. Yeah, I went to the uh, gym at about 11 o'clock this morning, and it was already 94 degrees. So I would take a rainy day right now if we could get it. But, you know, it is what it is. It's the summer in Houston. We're used to it. This guy's hitting the gym before lunchtime. Good for him. Got to hit the lunch break workout. That's that's, that's every day. Come on now. I, I wish what are you I guys hit, doing over there? I wish I hit the gym at all. Oh, well, you know, what about some 12 or 16-ounce curls? You know what I mean? I mean, I, I got to start doing something. I get married in three yeah. months. I got to start doing something. I mean, do they have uh, Yingling over there in uh, Louisiana? I'm pretty sure they do. There's a 16-ounce curl right there waiting for you. Come on. Oh, love that. There we go. Love that. All right, let's start with some breaking news. Jeremy Pena dealing with an injury. The Astros flew him back to Houston for further testing. According to Dusty Baker, it is not his wrist, but he wouldn't reveal what the injury was. What do you make of the severity of that? Yeah, so them them flying him back, I would say it's probably out of abundance of caution. Um, you know, Jeremy Pena being a rookie, stepping into Carlos Correa's shoes, so to speak. Um, you know, he's, he's played extremely well so far this year. He's exceeded expectations. A lot of people are already saying that he's going to be the rookie of the year. So I would probably say it's out of abundance of caution. Uh, but for Dusty Baker to say that he's not going to reveal, I mean, that's par for the course when it comes to the Astros. They don't usually reveal the severity or, or the, on, the, uh, on the flip side, even if it's uh, not a very big injury, they still don't reveal too much information. It's been like that um, even when A.J. Hinch was here, Jeff Luno, the general manager. Now you've got James Click. Um, I, I don't know what to make of it, to be honest with you. I guess we'll have to wait for further testing. Um, I'm sure you're going to see when a report is out that it's going to be right-hand discomfort. Um, they love talking about discomfort, um, but I'm hoping it's just out of abundance of caution. Um, just because he is a rookie and he's young, he's pretty much, you know, he's going to be the face of the, the franchise at some point. Um, so I'm, I'm just hoping that's the case. Now, looking at last night's game, a 5-3 loss at the hands of the Texas Rangers, I mean, it's, it's never fun to lose to your in-state rival, but the, the, the way that it happened, you know, giving up three runs in the eighth, five unanswered. I mean, it, to for lack of better words, a, a collapse last night. That that's not the way you wanted to to handle that, right? Right. Yeah. No. It. it um. I mean, to to lose to the Arlington Rangers sucks, but for to you know for them to do it with our bullpen, um, it, it makes it a little bit worse. You know, Hector Neris threw last night. He didn't have his top stuff. Obviously, um, sometimes it's going to happen. Montero was not available. And then at the end of the day, man, the, the Astros don't have a left-handed arm in the bullpen right now. Blake Taylor's on the IL, and, and you don't have anybody else. Um, last year you had Blake Taylor, you had Brooks Raley, um, you, had, you, know, you had options. Now, at this moment in time, the Astros don't have a left-handed guy, and the Rangers have a lot of left-handed hitters, uh, especially in the lineup last night. So, yeah, I mean, Montero wasn't available, so you went with Neris. Uh, Maton comes in, gives up some. I mean, yeah, it, it sucks, but it shows a weakness in the bullpen for the Astros without a left-handed arm. So, 
limited options for Dusty Baker. And, and what we've seen from Dusty Baker, I guess you could call it because he's an old-school manager, you know, uh, we don't see a lot of pitch uh, from field or, or, or bringing guys from field. It's whoever's available. If if Ryan Presley is not available, if Ryan Stanek is not available, he's not going to throw. Those guys are not going to throw, so he trusts everybody else, and that's kind of what we saw last night. It sucks, but it is what it is at this point. Brian Lalima joining us for To the Moon Tuesdays. All right, Brian, 37-24 and 24 on the year. A little bit of a slump right now for the Astros. Two guys that I really want to touch on, Alex Bregman and Yuli Gurriel. Neither one of them really impressing at the plate. You know, Alex Bregman, you could venture to say that this is probably the biggest slump of his career. You know, what, what, do, you, what do you make of all of this, and should Astros fans be concerned? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, if uh, here in Houston, uh, Yuli Gurriel and Alex Bregman, every single game. Um, Yuli Gurriel is obviously up in age. He's struggled so far this season. You know, the thing that's concerning for me with Yuli is he's swinging pitches, swinging at pitches that are out of the zone that's really not like him, you know. So so then you start to question, well, is he identifying pitches, you know, this season? Is he seeing the ball well? And then you switch over to Alex Bregman. Alex Bregman leads the team in walks. Um, he's not striking out a lot. He's making contact. Yeah, the exit velo isn't there. Um, so for me, you know, from from my standpoint, when I look at big league hitters, and at the, again, at the end of the day, these are big league hitters. These are these are the best baseball players in the world. Some some guys are going to struggle. Mike Trout was in a massive slump this this season. He was like 0 for 24 at one point, um, and he's found his way out of it. For Bregman, I think whatever he's going through um, is mechanical. It's not a, a case of him not seeing pitches because if he wasn't seeing pitches and, and identifying pitches, you know, you'd see the strikeout numbers up. You see, you wouldn't see the walks that he's, um, you know, that he's uh, accumulating every single game. I think one thing that he could probably do is ambush more fastballs early in the count. And then for Yuli, man, I think, um, you know, I think a lot of Astros fans want to see the Astros go after another first baseman at the trade deadline. I would probably – uh, say no to that. I would just say let let Yuli find his way out of it. And if he doesn't, then you got to figure some stuff out. You've got to let him see as you can platoon over at first base. And, and you know, you just hope that Yuli and the professional career that he's had between here and and um, and in Cuba, you know, it's it's um, you know, he's a, a, a the utmost professional, one of the utmost professional hitters the Astros have right there. Uh, next to Michael Brantley. So I don't know, man. It's it's frustrating for sure, but these are big league guys. You just got to let them find their way through it. You know, talking about Yuli Gurriel, talking about maybe going to get a first baseman at the trade deadline, Yuli is 38 years old. What's the future at first base for the Astros? Um, honestly, I thought we might see, um, you know, Jordan Alvarez get some reps in at first base this year, but they've given him some opportunity um, in the outfield, and, and he's played pretty well out there. I still wouldn't be surprised if they tried it somewhere down the road. They just locked him up for another six years. You've got Taylor Jones that's making his uh, way back through uh, a rehab start. He's down down there with um, with the Sugarland Space Cowboys. So I'd probably say Taylor Jones, maybe Jordan Alvarez. Um, I don't know. And then, and then they might go get somebody at the trade deadline, free agency. Who knows? To be honest with you, chatting with Brian Lalima here on Apollo on To the Moon Tuesdays from Apollo HOU. Got tongue tied there for a minute. Um, Brian, 
Talk to me about the the farm system. You know, you just touched on the Space Cowboys. Who are some players in Triple A, Double A, even even Single A? You know, the, those lower systems. Who are some guys that that you guys are really watching as future stars for the Astros? Well, obviously, you have guys. You know, the, the there's two names that that I I'm really really intrigued with, and one of them is uh, Pedro Leon, who is destroying baseballs with Sugarland Space Cowboys. And then Hunter Brown, uh, also with the Sugarland Space Cowboys. Hunter Brown is sitting 98-99, high-velocity fastball, disgusting 12-6 to curveball. He's got a changeup that comes in around 90-91, and he's dominating uh, you know, hitters down at AAA. I don't think he's ready just yet uh, to come up to the big leagues, but that's one of the perennial arms that the Astros have. And then Pedro Leon uh, playing some outfield, He's got major pop. Um, you've seen, you know, or we've seen him, the exit velocities of like 110, 111, like stuff that Jordan Alvarez is doing, 108, 109, um, swinging it really well. Um, those are the two names that I would probably focus on. And then obviously Jake Myers is down there, you know, doing a rehab start, but, you know, he's still down in AAA. You can't wait to get him back to see what he's going to bring to the table. Um, and, and, you know, what are the Astros going to do, I guess, you know, to lead into another topic when it comes to the minor leagues is you've got guys like Chaz McCormick, Jose Siri, Jake Myers. They all play outfield. So which one or two of those guys is going to be trade bait for the Astros? That's another thing to watch for. Which would I'll, I'll turn that question on you. Who do you see being trade bait? Um, you know, who brings more value? I would say Chaz McCormick. Uh, Jose Siri, you know, he's got the speed. He's got the lightning, um, you know, the spark off the bench. I think Chaz McCormick would be more – um, more, I'm trying to think of, uh, more attractive is the word I was looking for, more attractive for other teams to, to ask for in a trade. So I'm, I would, Kevin uh, McCormick, he's made really good adjustments so far this season. Um, I would probably say Chaz McCormick might be a guy that you could see get traded. All right, Brian, last question I've got for you. Do you think the Los Angeles Dodgers regret the Jordan Alvarez Josh Fields trade? <laughs> I don't know, man. You tell me. What the, the best part about that is it's the freaking Dodgers, man. I, I hate the Dodgers so much. Everyone in this city hates the Dodgers. Every single time Jordan does something spectacular, it it, it, it really just it, it warms my heart because they traded Josh Fields for Jordan Alvarez. I love it. If they don't regret it, that wouldn't surprise me because it's the Dodgers and they just think they own Major League Baseball. I'm just so happy that it couldn't have happened to a worse organization. To, to, to show you how bad the trade was, I just had to Google who Josh Fields was. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm sure every... Never never even heard of the guy. Yeah. yeah. No one knows who Josh Fields is, but a lot of people know who Jordan Alvarez is. Absolutely love it. Brian, appreciate you taking the time, as always, my friend. And uh, we'll talk to you next week, man. Yes, sir. I enjoyed every Tuesday. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Tune in next week for another edition of To the Moon here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Johnson throws. Boutte's got it wide open at the 10. Far side. He's in for the score. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on it's Gordon. He'll look up at the corner. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back. Crunch time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 104.1 Lake Charles. 
It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the Houston Astros and LSU Tigers. Speaking of the Houston Astros, they will play tonight, 7.05 first pitch. You can catch it right here on the game. James Mesh, I've got a question for you. Three players have visited the New Orleans Saints recently. David Johnson, Joe Schobert, and Senio Calamente. Oh, Senio's back. Now, Senio Calamente, like you just mentioned, played with the Saints before. All three players plan to try out this week. Joe Schobert tried out today. You could only have one of them. Who would you have and why? Hmm. The one I would have... I, I was never huge on Senio, so... But it would be nice because there are questions, especially with Cesar Ruiz. It yep. could create more competition. Oh, man. That's a tough question. I'm going Schobert. You want to show? We need to get younger in the linebacking core. I love Demario Davis, and I love um, – I mean, I know we don't have Quan anymore, but – I just we, we need young blood in, in the middle of that defense. And uh I think Joe Schobert being what, twenty seven? Twenty eight. Twenty eight. He's played in the league for five years now. He's got experience. He's still young. I, I want a guy like that in uh in, in our defense. That would be my choice. If I could only have one, I would go Schobert. Um I also would not be okay I would not be mad with David Johnson if we signed him. I mean I think I think that would be great to add depth to the running back position. I mean, we talked about that yesterday. So either way, um, I, I I agree with you. I don't know if I want Senyo back. I just was never high on him. Um, no, and 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 the only reason he was ever on the field was because you had injuries and you had a lot worse of a O line situation right. than you do now. So he doesn't feel like a necessity. He. I'd probably lean Showbear, but I would not be. It's almost like a one A one B situation with Showbear and right David Johnson. Right. Did you see the video of Abram Smith getting the snow cones, bringing bringing snowballs to the to the locker room? Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> you know, rookie duties. Carry my shoulder pads. Get me water. In South Louisiana, we say go get the snowballs. That's that's so light of a. Having to do having the rookie do something right. It's like I'll, I'll do that. I don't care. Yeah. Oh darn! I have to carry a drink container of snowballs. Darn! I'm I'm so man. Being a rookie sucks. Right. <laughs> right. Being a rookie's real rough. All right, man. Poll question. Looks like we're playing putt putt. Unless there's a late surge tonight. Shout out to the cart ranch. We're going we're going putt putting. Hey, I'm I'm gonna be just as good at putt putt as I was at the penalty shootout yesterday. What did you play golf as a kid too? <laughs> yes, I did actually. Oh, lovely. I uh, still play golf now. Um so don't call it a comeback, but Matt's gonna make it two to two. Tell you that right about now. Alrighty then. So let's see. Tonight again, Astros Rangers. You've got the night off for the NBA, night off for the NHL. 
College baseball doesn't pick back up until Friday. So we'll keep an eye on you know a couple of headlines that we talked about today with, with Kyler Murray, Jeremy Pena as well. We can have an update for that as early as tomorrow. Want to take this opportunity to thank Bob Pockris from Fox for joining us to give you the insight on NASCAR. Chris Murphy with his insight on the PGA Tour. Going to be a fun week this week with the U.S. Open at Chestnut Hill. That'll be fun. And then, as always, Brian LaLima with Apollo HOU joining us for To the Moon Tuesdays. As a reminder, Louisiana Hall of Fame class has been announced on, if you head to our website, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com, we are posting daily profiles on each of the Hall of Fame inductees. So be sure to check that out. Jari Evans was posted yesterday, and Brittany Sneed from LSU Softball was posted today. We've got one on Tony Robichaux coming out here in the coming days. So stay tuned for that once again on our website, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. For James Mesh, I am Matt Miguez saying be safe, be well, give a hug to your mom and them. Short show tomorrow because of the Astros. We'll see you at about 5.05 here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Yeah.